Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700. Happy Friday, everybody. This is part four of our interviews from the Young Women's Leadership Summit. And this episode is going to be kind of a recap. And we're also going to talk with the CEO of the Atlas Society, Jennifer Grossman. All of that and a little bit more on this episode of Trend Chat. y'all doing and all of that salutations greetings and all the other words you can use to say hello and welcome to another episode of trend chat i'm your host brian bledsoe and you know i'm just thinking of how many people who have listened to this intro where i say if you want to connect with us on social media go to facebook instagram twitter it's all the same name trend chat 24 7 and that i write for politichicks.com if you want to read some of my articles, go to politichicks.com slash author slash Brian Bledsoe and the book Politichicks Clearing Call to Political Activism, which is available now on Amazon and Barnes and Noble, which features one of my articles. And it is a three over 300 pages of 
different subjects from different um, a various number of contributors of politics talking on different issues, whether it's um, education, health care, um, parenting, uh, activism, and 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 more. So, yeah. So anyone that is interested in political, you know, activism and getting involved, I would suggest to pick that up. And not just not just because I have an article in it, but you know, it's a good book. So, and so, like I said, um, this is part four of our interviews from the Young Women's Leadership Summit, and I'm just thinking now. Cause actually, today is Friday, and it's been a week since the since the whole summit happened. Wow! I mean, it just. I felt like I was just there, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it, a week has passed now and I'm just, like I said, this is going to be kind of more of a, re, a recap and just, I'm just thinking about being, you know, being there and it was a great event and it it was very encouraging. I mean, Turner Point in general is encouraging in a whole because <laughs> just seeing young people and people in, in, college and high school who are actively engaged in their community and really up and passionate about promoting conservative principles of free market principles of you know, limited government and and to see that from this organization and others as well it it's definitely encouraging to to see them and like I said in other organizations and it's because uh, you know a lot of times what you see in the media and what you tend to see on a regular release is you would normally see a lot of um, young people who are in the socialist camp, you know, the ones that love Bernie and all that. And and to come across and see a group um, like this that are the exact opposite, you know, basically saying socialism sucks, you know, with the T-shirts and bumper stickers and everything and it, like I said, it's definitely a, I guess it's like a ray of hope <laughs> to to be around, you know, people who are basically going to be the future leaders in one way, shape or another, whether it's nationally or locally. And, you know, as long as they you know continue on as far as in their involvement. So it's the future seems doesn't seem so bleak, put it that way, as far as. Um, seeing in it, seeing like you know conservative principles being you know promoted in the you know future generations at least. So now I was also thinking, as far as the uh, interviews, I mean there was a they had a a great you know number of speakers there, and you know I got a chance to speak to a few. It just kind of one of the things where I'm I'm still learning as far as when it comes to being part of the quote unquote media, I guess, getting the press pass and all that. And it's something that, you know, I I'm still trying to still figuring out. And one thing I figured out is that you just can't cuz you can't just ask for an interview with someone especially close to the administration. And I say that because Laura Trump uh, who is um Eric Trump's wife you know eric trump being the son of president <laughs> so um and yeah so I, you know 
I saw that she was one of the speakers, and I was thinking about this was before I arrived to the to the convention center, I guess, to the hotel, and um, and I written out questions that I might ask because I thought you know maybe I might get a chance to get like you know just a couple of minutes. I wasn't trying to get like a sit down fifteen minute interview. But I was right now. I had a couple of questions in my phone. Like, okay, I may ask some of some of this, some of these questions about this and that. And so I, once I got my credentials, and then I, I went and asked about interviews, and then I asked about could I get an interview with Laura Trump. And that's when, that's when I found out that you know it's it's not that easy. Not not only just because of the time because she's not there, going to be there the whole time. But it's also because I found out I had to be background checked like prior to showing up <laughs> by Secret Service and what, and I don't know all the procedures, but that basically was it. And so without that, I couldn't even get in a close proximity of her. And yeah, so that's I like, oh, I mean, you know, I'm not complaining about it. I understand. I'm just saying that for me, there's just something that I, I didn't know until that happened. I'm like, oh, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm like, okay, yeah, I get it. I just, I didn't know about the procedure. So, and for someone that, I guess that, for me to ask that question, and some people, I guess, especially ones that are experienced in, you know, dealing with the press and media credentials and stuff, where I think like, yeah, you supposed to, yeah, like. You know, I had no clue about it, but I don't know. That was just something that was uh, that I kind of kind of put that away as far as um, it, it, the experience and learning little bits and pieces. So I guess one thing I need to do, I guess I need to get some find out how to get some sort of security clearance just in case I can I can even. So I can at least ask and say, okay, well, I've already been background checked or something like that. So I, I, I guess I need to find out how to do that. I don't know if you can apply or something, <laughs> but um, I, I, I guess I ask around and, and see. But um, like I said, we're going to talk with the CEO of the Atlas Society, Jennifer Grossman, and we're going to go ahead and get to our interview interview with her. And we, we talked a little bit about the summit and actually talked to you know obviously talked about the atlas society so everyone could get an idea about the organization and talked a little bit about atlas shrug which you'll hear in in the interview and i think like i mentioned yesterday about um having a part in the a very very small part in the movie and my involvement as far as with the atlas shrug part three so you know if you haven't heard heard about it i know it was a it it kind of came and left as far as being in movie theaters and and whatnot but yeah there is an atlas shrug movie actually there are three of them and you can you can you can find it anywhere netflix or i guess voodoo or, or you can look it up as far as wanting to watch it yeah you know, if you're a fan of atlas shrug i'm saying so yeah so we talked a little bit about that and we also talked about um talked about the question that was brought up at a panel during the summit last week and someone was talking about being a christian and an objectivist and um 
and there were people that were saying that you can't be both. And during one of the panels, someone actually mentioned um, Jennifer Gross's name, which made me want to ask her that question. Then I, I already had my questions for her anyway, but then I, after hearing that, I wanted to, definitely wanted to ask her that question. So we, I asked her that, and we talked about that a little bit too to, as well. So all that being said, so here is our interview with uh, the CEO of the Atlas Society, Jennifer. Hello, this is Trent Chat. I'm your host, Brian Bledsoe, and we are pleased to have the CEO of the Atlas Society, Jennifer Grossman, with us. How are you doing? I'm doing great. It was so great to see you in Dallas. Yeah, and um, so um, first off, just give us, I guess, general information about the Atlas Society. Sure. Well, the Atlas Society is a 27-year-old think tank. Uh, devoted to philosophy and, of course, uh, the principles of limited government, of individual rights, of reason. And um, we believe that Ayn Rand and her epic literature is some of the best defenders of our values um, on a moral level. And so we promote that in a variety of ways in school. You were just mentioning the screenings of the Atlas Shrugged movies that we did with Turning Point. Um, we have our Draw My Life videos. We have reading groups every weekend. Uh, we're coming out with a graphic novel and comic book anthem. And, uh, of course, we have our epic Atlas Summit, which we've been having every summer, and I'm going to try to get you to go to. So <laughs> that's a little bit about what we do. Okay. And um, I, how long has the Atlas Society been established? It was founded by David Kelly uh, about 20, 25, 27 years ago. Um, it actually started holding some of its conferences before it was officially incorporated. And uh, I was recruited about a year and a half ago to, um, to take it over and to try some new things, some new initiatives, and to focus on a new demographic, which is making sure that millennials and younger are... Um, exposed to Atlas Shrugged and The Fountainhead and We the Living and uh, Anthem um, because, you know, as we saw at that conference, there was a bit of a disconnect between um, so many of the people that, for example, were on the advisory board or that had found their way into learning more about our founding father, about our freedom that were brought in by Ayn Rand, but the crowd of the, of the women, the young women, maybe maybe one in ten, maybe, had read Ayn Rand. So those those are all the lucky ones because they have that adventure still ahead of them. But reading the books of the of these sides, it's um it's a it's a big uh it's a big time commitment. I mean you you were just saying that um you had you listened to Atlas Shrugged on a cross country trip of five to six days. Um but uh, and that makes a lot of sense. But so you know, trying to find ways to um, to not just uh, engage and interest um, people in taking that adventure, but also encapsulating the messages um, in a way that uh, that is complementary to the book. So our Instagram channel, our Draw My Life videos, um, our Tuesday trivias, our comics, those are uh, also convey some of those messages without... Um, necessarily having to commit to the entire book. Okay. 
I guess tell us a little bit about yourself and how did you get to where you are to CEO of the Dialysis Society? Well, I um, I was not brought up with these ideals. I, I didn't read any Ayn Rand till later in life. Um, I uh, was brought up in a, in a pretty liberal community. Um, I was a Peace Corps baby, and it wasn't until I was off in college at Harvard that I started to meet people that just didn't fit the stereotype that I guess I grew up with, which was that anybody um, who was Republican or conservative or libertarian or just either really, really stupid or just very bad people. And when I started to meet people that didn't quite match that stereotype, I, I realized I had to do some more digging. And so I studied government at Harvard. I went to Washington, D.C. I started working in uh, television and then later um, ended up at the White House under President uh, George H.W. Bush. Um, and I was researching, eventually became a speech writer, and, uh, and then had some time in the private sector working with Ted Forstman, one of the pioneers of the leverage buyout, and uh, no longer with us, but um, cared passionately about school choice. And he and John Walton got together, and they did launch a, uh, a scholarship initiative that uh, offered $100 million in scholarships for um, inner-city kids to go to the school of their choice. And that led to Cato, the Cato Institute, where I was their director of education policy. I did that for about a decade, and then I went into the private sector. I worked for David H. Murdoch. I ran, um, I started and ran a nutrition institute for him, and I did that for, for quite a while. And it isn't really until the past couple of years that I've gotten back more into um, public policy to philosophy to education. And interesting a lot's changed but not enough has changed and yet i'm i'm very uh, i'm very optimistic okay well now that the um young women's leadership summit has um just ended a couple of days ago i kind of want to ask you basically uh, what you thought about the whole event i i thought it was amazing um i am really impressed by turning point they're one of our um, close partners and uh, we've been able to do a lot of great partnerships with them, including, as you mentioned, the, um, the screenings of Allotrugged. Um, we're merging their third annual Young Latino Leaders Summit with uh, our 27th annual Atlas Summit on July 19th in Las Vegas. So I hope everybody goes, whether or not you're Latino, uh, just pretend you are, like Cinco de Mayo when we're all Latino. <laughs> and, um, but I, I thought it was um, fantastic. I met so many uh, young women who are um, now starting to read um, We the Living, which we have our first reading group uh, of that this coming Sunday. And um, so I just, I just thought it was great. They really uh, are all um, very self-reliant. They were from all different kinds of backgrounds. Um, I, I thought it was interesting. Somebody tweeted something kind of mean and saying, oh, just a whole bunch of brainwashed upper middle class girls. And that was their, that was their take on it. And I, I thought, gee, brainwashed by 
by whom? By their public school teachers? <laughs> by their college professors, the very conservative college professors? No. I mean, these are the young women that actually survived the brainwashing, that um, that were very brave in terms of doing something that, you know, really uh, could get them socially ostracized and often has, um, could risk their, their grades. So, uh, so I, I just thought that they were really in, inspiring and, um, and I just was uh, honored to have the opportunity to, um, to meet them. Yeah, I mean, it's for the majority of people um, to, to have that, I guess, the comment to say of being brainwashed, it's, especially when you're talking about whether conservative or libertarian views, it's it's it would be very easy to go through life and not even hear conservative or libertarian views. Like that's something you have to actually go out and find for the most for the most part because unless you are in a you know a conservative or libertarian um household or something like that, but if you're with in a household that maybe is apathetic or you know don't care anything about uh, um, public policy or anything like that. You can easily go through life and just basically be a unknowingly unknowingly liberal, I guess, and not even know it because you have, like you said, public schools and you know high schools, college, and just basically the media in general. It it'll be very easy to just go yeah to go through life and not even consider these views. Yeah, what what did you think? What were your impressions of of the conference? Well, um, it was that was my first time being um there I, I was covering for politics and and doing interviews for trend chat and it's it's a great event uh, i've been a fan of turning point in general for a long time and i follow a, a number of people that are working for turning point and i i think it's a great organization as far as engaging with college high school students and it's it was something that I mentioned to Charlie Kirk during the summit that when I go to different events uh, across the country, maybe I drop by a Republican or Tea Party event somewhere, and sometimes I will hear, you know, we need to get more engaged with the millennials and the young generation or something like that. And every time I mention, hey, what have you heard of Turn the Point? <laughs> and um, sometimes they do, but, but unfortunately some don't. And, you know, when they say I haven't, I say, well, hey, nine times out of ten, there is a um, regional director nearby <laughs> at one of these campuses. So I would say, like, just uh, look up tpusa.com. I was trying to think off the top of my head, but um, but I was just telling about Turning Point as much as I can, especially if they're looking to engage with um, millennials in you know in college campuses and high school. So, so yeah, I, the the whole event was great, and um, and we like I said we'll have some more interview from the Young Women's Leadership Summit, and I may make it to Las Vegas for the Young Latino Leadership Summit and the Atlas Summit. So. Definitely look forward to uh, another event. So now, love to have you there. Now, in one of the panels, uh, I can't remember exactly, and this actually was something that intrigued me more to interview you because I already wanted to talk to you, but then I heard someone mention your name in one of the panels, and they was talking about being Christian and being an an objectivist, and someone was saying that people make the assertion that you can't be both 
And one of the panelists said, like, well, you need to talk to Jennifer Grossman about that because she can tell you um, that that's not true. So that's the question I wanted to ask you and kind of want you to kind of expand on that subject about being can can someone be Christian and objectivist? Well, thanks for that question. And I, I think my focus with writing that Wall Street Journal op-ed, which was Can You Love God and Ayn Rand, was um, really not so much about, like, are you going to um, ha- be completely all in and perfect and agree on everything about the philosophy and also be um, uh, practicing your, your faith. It was more like, could you be someone like Andy Puzder, who was CEO of Carl's Jr. and Hardee's and was our former Labor um, Secretary nominee, who will be our keynote speaker at the Atlas Summit, who uh, loves Ayn Rand, has like original signed copies of her books, um, made all of six kids, yes, six <laughs> kids, <laughs> um, wow. read The Fountainhead and Mere Christianity in order to get their driver's um, license. Uh, so he is someone who really felt that um, Ayn Rand was someone who inspired him, who captured the great American entrepreneurial spirit, who celebrated what was best in America, which was self-reliance and our free, voluntary, um, free market system. And he didn't, he didn't find it a contradiction. Um, so... You know, I, I kind of am focusing on getting the 90% of the young women who um, hadn't read any Ayn Rand yet to pick it up, to give it a try. Uh, I don't think that – I would be shocked if, if any one of them come away and say, oh, that's it, now I'm, I'm going to become an atheist or I'm going to switch my religious belief. If anything, what I found was – and that's where I got this idea, and I started to get a little – um, suspicious of the people who would say, "Oh, you, you know, I'm an atheist. You can't read. You can't read that." I was seeing that come up a lot. So we do these draw my life videos, which you know, kind of similar to some of the draw my life videos that you see celebrities do. So I did a draw my life video of Ayn Rand, and I wrote it, and I and I created it, and I illustrated it, and it for us, it then it blew up. We got over a million views and 10,000 shares and thousands and thousands of comments. And I was seeing this coming up on people saying, oh, you know, you can't, you know, I'm an atheist, you can't, you can't like that. And I would then go and I'd click, I'd say, who is saying this? Is it some, you know, preacher? Is it some born-again? Is it a professor at Liberty in the universe? No, it was all these people that, like, were Antifa or, or they were not, they were not conservatives, they, they, they really look like, they, I mean, every, Bernie Sanders was all over their Facebook page. So it's like, well, why do they care, right? <laughs> and um, I, I began to, and, and I was getting people that were pushing back against them, and they were saying, well, actually, I read Ayn Rand, and I became deeper in my faith. I read Ayn Rand, and I, you know, became, I went from this kind of Judaism to that kind of Judaism. So I was just like, well, so I'm kind of all over the, the map here. You know, yeah, I, I think that there are, um, uh, objectives, I think, by and large, if they embrace that, that label, that they uh, believe that everything is, um, is, is non-mystical, it's proven reality, it's A is A, uh, and that's one of the, the pillars of 
um, that's her, her metaphysics, and that you discover reality through through reason and not through faith or for, through prayer. But, um, but by and large, I, I felt that, you know, a lot of people read, and not they're not dummies, and that, that's the other thing. I got so attacked for writing that, that Can You Love God and Ayn Rand, from objectivists. You know, I got attacked from people that I, I thought kind of shared my objectives, my goals, and getting people to be more interested in Ayn Rand. I wasn't trying to misrepresent Ayn Rand. But they said, oh, only an idiot could read the books and not realize that, that of course, that you, you can't be a Christian and, and an objectivist. I was like, well, I don't know uh, who these idiots are. Andy Potter's not an idiot. My, my parents, you know, aren't idiots. I mean, they're PhDs and doctors. And so I just, uh, I, I honestly, I feel like the, um, the her views on secularism, uh, which are legitimate, you know, uh, I, I feel like have been blown out of proportion strategically in the order to marginalize her because she is such an effective activator and entryway, strategic entryway for people to become more passionate, more, more energized about the battle for liberty. My friend Jeffrey Tucker said uh, that before Ayn Rand, the battle for liberty was merely intellectual. And after Ayn Rand, it was deeply spiritual. And that's what, what Ayn Rand does. Uh, she's not coming out of the Scottish Enlightenment tradition. She is not making a case for free market economics based on economics or, or facts or with statistics or even historical examples. She is going, she's speaking from a, uh, a deeply moral point of view that people own their lives and that, that it is immoral for others to um, sacrifice our rights to themselves or for us to sacrifice others' rights to our, ourselves. And I, I think that's what makes her such an effective uh, defender of our ideals. And at times like this, we, we need to come together. We need to take the big tent approach. And that's one of the things that I loved about Turning Point. You know, you had pro-life women there. You had pro-choice women there. You had libertarians. You had conservatives. And I, I think that the, the more that we can realize uh, that we have strength in what unites us and uh, to not compromise principles, but, but really just be clear-eyed about, about the role that Ayn Rand has played that she can play uh, in in our shared fight for for liberty. Yeah, and as well as someone that was that has listened to the book and also participated in you know as far as the movies to a very very not very small degree, but but not um, so small. Oh, come on, you won the the contest, the sticker contest that you went to the. <laughs> premiere on that and then you appear in the movie. That's way bigger than a role than I had. I think that's pretty you got to tell people about that because I, I hadn't heard that. So would you just, you know, tell your viewers Oh well, well if um in Atlas Road Part three I participated in a I guess a video submission contest and there was also there were two contests actually and the first contest was to submit a video clip, and if you're chosen, you would be in in the movie. And 
I w- was one of 15, I think 10 or 15 people that was um, put, had their video posted right after John Galt's speech in the movie. And so we basically just said a couple of lines. We just said, um, who is John Galt? I am John Galt. And, and we just had that, that one scene together. And also there was a, another contest where they gave us post-it notes to that said, what well, they said, who is John Galt? And put those post-it notes on different places and take a picture of them. And if, um, if your picture is chosen, then you go to the premiere of Atlas Shrub on part three in Las Vegas. So my, uh, my photo of a picture, um, of what was it? A book called Common Core for Dummies. And I put a post-it note on that book and that photo won the contest and I was able to go to Las Vegas. So, and, and was able to meet some of the actors and producers and uh, it, w- it was a great time. And so, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I did as far as my connection with Atlas Rugs. <laughs> um, so it, the movie, and then, you know, you, you met a bunch of, of ladies, um, at the, uh, young Women's Leadership mm-hmm. Summit who had also watched the movies and they were like, Hey, I know you, weren't you in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so though I'm curious, I would love to know, and then I know I, I have to let you go, but, uh, when, what book would you recommend to people who were just at, you know, maybe either they don't know about Ayn Rand or they're nervous about Ayn Rand or they're looking at this book and, would you recommend that they do audio like you did? Or what What advice would you give to, to readers at the start of their journey? Well, for me, when it comes, as far as doing audio, it was just easier for me because I'm a truck driver and I'm on the road 8 to 10 hours a day. So audio for basically any, for anything is best for me as far as... um. Uh-huh. So I, I would say do the audio because, it's, you know, it just depends on how you consume in literature, if you okay. like it on audio book or you just want um, one on an iPad or on a tablet or just want the physical book, um, it just depends. My thing is that I will say, you know, obviously it is, uh, you know, it's a big book, but I think it's worth it, you know, because it definitely is. For me, I was I was actually put on to Iron Man and Atlas Shrug by um, Andrew Wilkow who is uh, on Sirius XM Patriot. And he mm-hmm. was the first one who brought it up to me. And that's when I started just um, listening to it. And from there, they basically went on to the whole getting involved with the movies and, and whatnot. And and kind of like what you was mentioning about being a Christian and a, an a objectivist, like for me, the whole thing, especially with Atlas Shrugged, we're talking about, free market economics and we're just talking about being able to not be uh coerced and having the government basically force you to do something that you're not willing to do and mm-hmm. that is, that is something where as a christian you should be able to definitely uh, um relate to because as a christian you can't force anyone to be a christian you know and you can't and in the same sense, you can't force any, don't, we well, shouldn't force anyone. I mean, the government does do that with taxes and whatnot, but you shouldn't be forced to take care or some of someone else if you don't want to. Now, if you want to 
to be charitable, that's your choice to be charitable. But forced charity is not charity <laughs> as, as much right. as people want to make it seem, especially when they talk about taxes. And so the ideals and and the principles that are in like Atlas Shrugged, being even though it's a, it's a fictional novel, but still you still understand what um, the principles that are being espoused in the in the book. And I don't see how why that would be, you know, something that a Christian can't um, relate to. So, but I guess yeah, that. I, yeah. I, I, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say well, to, and, and to answer your question, I um. I don't want to say as far as people should get like the Cliff Notes version of it either. If you don't want to read that the big version of it, but I mean, if to get you started, if that's what it takes, <laughs> you know, right. you know, all right, do that. But I would recommend you know reading the whole book eventually. Yeah, I think what you want to avoid is you don't want to have happen to me, to you, what happened to me when I, I was at the Cato Institute. And uh, people were talking about John Gall, and I was um, in my 20s, and I said, who, who is John Gall? <laughs> and they said, oh, yeah, that's, you get it, right? And I was like, no, I, I really, who, who is John Gall? And, and they basically had to just kind of, you know, show me out the back door of the building and tell me to take a week off, week off of work. And it was, like, so embarrassing. You don't want that to have, happen to you, you know? And, and plus, you just want to be able to, I think, be, I mean, Donald Trump, our president, his favorite novel is um, The Fountainhead, and uh, and ha- half of the cabinet um, names her books as the favorite novel. So it's something that just as being as a literate person in the battle of ideas, even if you are passionately against uh, free market principles, um, look, it's something you should you should read. I think that the schools should be more open to teaching it. They definitely want people to know about the communist manifesto so mm-hmm. right or wrong you know should be exposed to these ideas as well yeah and you know that that would be great and given what you're doing with the atlas society and the turn upon in general um hopefully we would get more at you know true diversity in these universities so uh thank you so much for your time thank you for um for what you did at the Young Women's Leadership Summit, and hopefully we will see you at Las Vegas at the Atlas Summit. Oh, that would be awesome. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yep, and thanks to Jennifer Grossman for joining us. And that was a – it was good to have a, you know, the conversation um, and talking about um, everything just then. And, you know, I was just thinking about – like like I said in the beginning of the of the program today, I was just kind of like the whole Young Women's Leadership Summit was a pretty good you know pretty good event. I really um, enjoyed the speakers and everything, and <clears throat> and you know as far as like what we were talking about as far as the Young Latino Leadership Summit and the Atlas Summit coming up, so it will we'll still we'll see about if we'll be there or not and um actually while we were going over that interview something came to mind that just happened i guess i don't know maybe it was yesterday just something that i wanted to touch on hearing about actor johnny depp um basically i guess he was kind of joking about 
you know, about an actor assassinating the president. And <clears throat> given the events that just happened more, a little over a week ago with Representative Steve Scalise and um, him being being actually shot, you know, and now you you have these liberal Hollywood liberals, you know, these actors out here. Um, and, you know, just like even a couple of weeks back, you had Kathy Griffin. And, you know, a lot of times I I hear people ask the question, like, when is this going to stop? I mean, how, why, you know, when are they going to stop this, I guess, this vitriol towards the president? And I, I tell you right now, it's not going to stop. <laughs> um, it's not going to stop at all. They're going to continue on and they feel justified in making these sort of statements mainly because they feel like they, a lot of these people really feel like they fit their justification for being this hateful towards um, the president is because they literally look at him like how their leaders speak of him. Like he is the epitome of evil. (laughs) And if you're telling your, telling your people that, you know, with your tweets and your post on social media and you keep beating that drum saying that this, you know, this president needs to be stopped and, and you know, stuff like that, then, yeah, then you're going to have people feel justified in feeling that way. And it's just going to continue on. So, so yeah, like I said, it, it's not going to end. Um, and so it's just, it, it's something that you kind of, unfortunately it's something it's it had to kind of get used to in a way, not so much to get desensitized, but I'm just saying it's just something you just know is, is coming. Um, knew that before you even <laughs> was sworn in. So, so, you know, it, anyway, so it's been a good couple of four, you know, these four shows and, We'll be back to the regular schedule next week, Tuesday and Thursday. Um, have no idea if we have any interviews or not. It'll probably be just me. So, so, you know, don't feel sad. I mean, obviously, don't you know? Still, even if it's just me, still, still come back. And I appreciate everyone listening. And you know, I'm just looking at. It seeing um you know people that have been listening so far and i definitely appreciate everyone listening in and i will say if you do like trend chat uh you know some i have mentioned in a while but yeah if you you know we're available on google play and itunes and if you like this share it with your friends and um, subscribe um on itunes or google play and Yep, and you know, just spread it around. I'm, you know, I appreciate the audience we have right now, but uh, as far as let's see how far we can grow <laughs> the the audience in one way or another. So, so with all that being said, I say once again, thanks to everyone listening, and until Tuesday, we will chat with you later.
Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens, but you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today. 833-687-0700. 833-687-0700. Guys, as we get older, we all start to notice minor changes in sexual performance. It happens. But you can stop Mother Nature. Whether you're just starting to develop erectile dysfunction symptoms or are suffering from chronic ED, call Metro Men's Health. Skip the pills and injections. They're only temporary and lose effectiveness over time. Metro Men's Health treats the root cause of ED, lack of blood flow, so it works long-term. Metro Men's Health uses the most advanced and clinically proven wave therapy on the market to actually repair aging blood vessels and restore them to a younger you. Get your spontaneity and your confidence back with safe, effective treatment from Metro Men's Health. Visit MetroMensHealth.com or call 833-687-0700. Don't let ED get worse. Call Metro Men's Health today, 833-687-0700, 833-687-0700.